Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me. Friends, we are going to do two episodes on the book of Philemon, and let me tell you how this is going to work. In this first episode, we're going to look at the book of Philemon itself, and we're going to look at the one really dominant theme in the book of Philemon. And I'm not really going to talk about slavery, which for many of you is going to be disappointing because perhaps you're listening to this episode because you have questions about the Bible and slavery. So episode one, the one you're listening to right now, we're not going to touch slavery really at all. Episode two, the next episode that we'll put out, Lord willing, is going to be about the Bible and slavery. And we'll kind of use Philemon as our launching point, but we're not really going to be examining Philemon. We're going to take a larger examination, a larger view, that is, of both the Old and New Testament and what it says about slavery and how we should use the Bible to understand American slavery. So if you are interested in the Bible and slavery, I would encourage you to listen to this episode, but I would particularly encourage you to tune in to our next episode as we look at the Bible and slavery. So for now, for today, let's take a look at the book of Philemon. And as always, when we begin an examination of a book of the Bible, we want to orient ourselves to where we are in history. So when we look at the New Testament timeline, the central event of the New Testament in all of history is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This takes place in around AD 33. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Philemon, was converted not long after that, perhaps a few months later. Paul then spends the next 30 years traveling the Mediterranean world, establishing churches, writing letters to these churches. Now, on his third missionary journey, Paul was arrested and over the course of several years ended up under house arrest in Rome. And it's while he's in house arrest in Rome, he writes what we call the prison epistles, the prison letters. That is Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are letters written by Paul to churches, but Philemon is unique in Paul's writing because it's written not to a pastor or to a church, but to a member of a church, a man named Philemon, for a very special purpose. So let's get our bearings in Philemon. Who wrote it? Paul. And he wrote it to a man named Philemon, who was a Christian living in the city of Colossae, and who was the owner of a slave named Onesimus. So when did Paul write this letter? Likely while he was in prison in Rome, so probably around AD 62, the same time as he wrote Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians. So where? Well, Paul is a prisoner in Rome, and Philemon is a member of the church in Colossae. So why was this letter written? Well, first, to ask Philemon to forgive Onesimus, it appears from the context that Onesimus had stolen something and ran away from his master Philemon. So Paul is writing to ask Philemon to forgive Onesimus, and second, to ask Philemon to receive Onesimus as a brother. So let's set the context here. So around AD 62, Paul is in prison in Rome, and hundreds of miles away in the city of Colossae, there is a Christian man named Philemon. And Philemon owns a slave named Onesimus. This much we know for certain from what the scripture writes. What probably happened is that Onesimus, who was not a Christian at this time, stole something from Philemon and ran away. And he was arrested 
And while under arrest, he came into contact with the Apostle Paul, who led him to Christ. So now Onesimus is a Christian, but he's still a runaway slave. And so when Paul sends the letter to the Colossian church, he also sends the letter to Philemon, and he sends Onesimus as the deliverer of the letter to the Colossian church and the letter to Philemon. And this letter to Philemon is going to ask him to not only forgive Onesimus for stealing and running away from him, but he's going to ask Philemon to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ, a wealthy landowner being asked to receive not just a slave, but a runaway slave as his brother in Christ. This is earth-shaking. So let's look at our theme in Philemon, and that is how Paul mediates conflict with sensitivity and tact. So Paul's request at the heart of it is very, very simple. Philemon, please forgive and receive Onesimus. But wording this request was not simple because Paul wants Philemon to treat Onesimus kindly, but he doesn't want to be seen as ordering Philemon to do it, right? (laughs) I drop my boys off at daycare every single day during the summer. And when I drop them off, I walk them into the lobby of the daycare. I give them a kiss. I tell them I love them. And I tell them to be kind and obedient. And the reason I tell them to be kind and obedient is in their little three-year-old unredeemed hearts, they are prone to not be kind, to steal toys, to hit one another, and they are prone to not be obedient. So if Paul writes this letter and says, Philemon, you must be kind and forgive Onesimus. The implication, the impression that Paul is giving is that Philemon is harsh and unkind, and Paul doesn't want to embarrass him like that. So Paul wants to get his point across, Philemon must actually forgive and receive Onesimus, but he wants to give Philemon the space to do it voluntarily. Paul mentions, but does not use, his apostolic authority, and rather, Paul makes his appeal on the basis of love and relationship, not because he can tell Philemon what to do. Philemon 8 and 9 says this, accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, because if you've read Paul's letters, you know that he's not shy about issuing commands to Christians. Verse 9 says, Yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. So Paul's appeal is based on love and mutual relationship. And Paul stresses just how much Philemon complying would mean to him. Philemon 20 and 21 says, Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. So as this letter is read to the church, read in front of the church, Paul is allowing Philemon to be seen as kind and generous, which is probably not only true, but also certainly will encourage Philemon to act that way. Paul also sort of casually mentions that he hopes to visit soon to see how things are going. Philemon 22, At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. So Paul gets Philemon to do what he wants, but he doesn't cause Philemon to lose face. The only way that this can happen is if the gospel is allowed to transform social relationships within the church in Christ. And this is what the gospel has power to do. 
the gospel has the power to bring change, not only in our hearts and in our standing before God, which to be perfectly honest, is the most important thing. The most important thing, our greatest need is not for a transformation of our social status, no matter what our social status is, but our greatest need is a transformation of our status before God, to change from being enemies to friends, from orphans to adopted children, from guilty to innocent. This is the greatest need that we have, and the gospel brings change there. But friends, the gospel also, as it transforms individuals, will also transform societies. Now, Philemon shows us how the gospel closes the gap between members of the higher and lower classes in the church. And this is a theme that Paul writes about often. In Colossians 3.11, Paul says, Here in the church, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, Paul does not mean in this verse or in the next verse that I'm going to read that all of these differences are eradicated as if we're all just one blob of humanity without any sort of differentiation. What Paul is saying is that when we come to the cross, we come to the cross together and any sort of difference in standing or importance or status based on these ethnic or social differences, that is what's eradicated. We are still men and women. We are still American or Chinese or Russian, but now we don't get to look down on one another based on our differences. We are united around Christ. And also the same idea communicated in Galatians 3.28. Paul says, there in the church, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel will close the gap between the higher and lower classes in the church. As we read the book of Philemon, we can see that Onesimus, who is a runaway slave, is lifted up in Christ. Paul says that he has gone from useless, counterproductive, a slave who runs away and steals from you is useless, but now Onesimus, a brother in Christ to Philemon, is now useful. Onesimus, Paul says, has gone from being in debt to being debt-free. Philemon 18 and 19, if he, if Onesimus has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me even your very own self. So Onesimus is lifted up in Christ and Philemon, the wealthy man, is gently humbled in Christ. Now we know that Philemon is wealthy because his house is large enough to host a church. Right? So this is a man of means. And yet Paul asked Philemon to receive Onesimus as a partner in the gospel, as a brother in the gospel. And this can only happen if Onesimus is raised and Philemon humbles himself. Philemon 17, Paul says, If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. So Philemon is not to receive Onesimus as a second-class Christian, which doesn't even exist. But he is to treat Onesimus in the same way that he would treat the Apostle Paul. And humility like this does not come naturally. Humility like this only comes if we know the humility of Christ on our behalf. As we read in another one of these prison epistles, Philippians 2, 6-8, through 8, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's this humility that Christians are called to emulate in the power of the Spirit. And if Philemon will do this, and we have every confidence that he did, he will humble himself and therefore will be reconciled to Onesimus and the power of the gospel will be displayed to Philemon's neighbors who are unbelievers and who might be encouraged to come and inquire about what power can make a slave owner humble himself and lift up his runaway slave and they can be in loving fellowship with one another. It's only the power of the gospel that can do this. And the power of the gospel unleashed in our life and in our communities will transform us and will transform our relationship to one another. And this is what we pray we see more and more in our local churches. Whether our local church is meeting in Indonesia or whether our local church is meeting in America, we want to see the power of the gospel unleashed to transform individuals and to transform societies. So friends, as we mentioned, the next time we come together, Lord willing, we're going to take a look at slavery and the Bible. So for now, take up and read, my friends. God bless.